0: As you were hearing this announcement, and the venue is BYOB. So if you want to drink, bring a drink. If you like a diet coke, bring a diet coke. And we're gonna hang out afterwards. We can say hello to everybody. Hope to see you all there. See you there. Um,
1: whew, didn't think I was gonna cry.
0: I <laughs> Sorry, really I know this, this is
1: this is I,
2: that's why I when you said people were excited that I was coming on the podcast. Like, do they know what we're gonna talk? I- <laughs> <laughs> like, We're talking about
1: grief, people. Excited maybe is the wrong word, but like, I actually don't think it's the wrong word. I do think people were legitimately excited because I think, I think you're right. I think we don't talk about grief enough as a society. and welcome to another episode of Finding Mr. Hyde, the podcast. I'm Allie, back with my co-host Rourke. Rourke, how are you doing today? You know those things
3: that you can – you get them as – they often come as gifts with purchase or like travel size stuff, all like little things. You know how they're often marked like not individual – not for individual sale? (laughs) Yes. Okay. I have a question. Uh Uh-huh. Do you think – can I as an individual human – Buy, like, a catering carafe of coffee?
1: Yes. Amazing. Because <laughs> I <laughs> need that. <laughs> um, Like, first of all, you could do that at, like, any Starbucks.
3: Okay, great. Yeah. I'm like, seriously, am I deranged? I kind of want it. <laughs> That's a lot of coffee. I know. I know. My friend, I was talking to a friend and she her recommendation re-caffeine consumption. So to eat less to or to consume fewer liquids was to eat um espresso beans. Oh
1: yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I also just think there's like diminishing returns at some point with that That'd much be. right. Like I, I don't I don't think it would be helpful at a certain point. Fair enough.
3: Fair enough. Anyways, um I've made it to Dallas, my home for the month. Hooray! When does your um, Airbnb start? It started yesterday. I went in. So my friend Amy and I were supposed to fly together. She was asked to speak on an in speak on a panel in person on Wednesday. Oh, yeah. And okay. so, um, so, very spontaneous. Like a person dropped out, and so she was like never supposed to be a part of it. Um, and they tapped her to fill the spot. And so, obviously, she has to That's do cool. that. Yeah. Oh, super cool. So she's gonna do that and then come here. Um, so I've mentioned, I actually edited it out because it was getting a little long, but, um, I think I've mentioned offhand potentially that she and I are doing this, the joint double
1: dating profile. Yeah. You took, we talked about it on, on the regular pod because remember then we talked about it on the Patreon, but it was before we had talked about it on the regular pod. Yeah. Yes.
3: Things were confused. Things were confused. Misunderstood. Yeah, people the people,
1: <laughs> the people yes. were
3: really confused. <laughs> yeah. So I am hitting some interesting problems that, like, it will be interesting. So we have her burner phone. Right. And so what we're doing – we're, like, handing it back and forth. Okay, so, like,
1: a lot of people basically claim to not have friends. That's where we're at. <laughs> where oh, like, a lot of I'm guys mask- are like, I would like yes. to do this, but I don't have friends. Oh, interesting. Yes.
3: And I oh. have now, like, a guy's like, well, how about I just come out with the two of you? No. No. And the way I said it was – I actually – I thought of it this right off bachelor. the cuff. <laughs> I said it is right off the you cuff. Said? But I was proud of myself for kind of the way I phrased it where I said, that feels a little too bachelor to me. This is to get to know people, learn about new, like, fun spots in Dallas, this is not to put my friend and I in competition with each other for one
1: guy. Yeah. Hard pass on that.
3: Yeah. Like, that's happening where they're saying, like, I don't have a friend, but, like, why not just me and you two? And it's like, no, nope. we're not doing that. Not. And then – and I get this. There is, there is a question of – like, Amy I, I and I don't look dissimilar, honestly. Like – it's not like, like – I, I personally don't believe that one of
1: us is majorly your type and one of us isn't. Got it. So it's not – yeah. That. So somebody could be into both of you. Not that that wouldn't be true if you didn't look alike, but like it's even more possible. It,
3: of course. But yeah. it's not like jarring where – I think that like if you saw the photo of us, you would think kind of like, oh, like which is like if you were just coming across it as a normal profile, you would see our joint – photo to start and say like oh I wonder which one she is keep scrolling whatever but I don't know maybe I'm delusional I'm like I don't know that someone would be like disappointed to know who's who and to that to that end I still don't know what people are looking for but I am certainly getting a lot of like well who's who and like which one are you who am I talking to right now like and like I'm like we're honest. Like, oh, it's like so and so, whatever. But I I can't figure out like and I'm sure it's different
1: for different people, right? This is a sort of a yeah. super question. No, I'm th- I'm thinking about it. I maybe I'm giving people too much the benefit of the doubt. hmm And I'm sure not everybody is thinking this. I feel like I would just wanna know who I'm talking to. I think so too. Just because I wanna know who I'm talking to. Yes. Not because I have a preference of one over the other. Oh, totally. Yeah, because when you're talking to somebody on Bumble, you're like picturing them. Like you're you're like starting to establish a rapport, right? And you're like, oh, I'm talking to this yes. person. Like I think I would feel weird if I was talking to an inanimate being. Yeah. That like could be anybody or could be, you know, either of these two people. So that yeah. makes sense to me.
3: In solo dating news, two people that I matched with in LA on my personal phone, not the downer not burner. <laughs> not the burner. I have now been unmatched twice for refusing to give my Instagram. Wow. And not even in an obvious way. In a we- like So I was communicating with a man where I think I sent you some screenshots where fully deranged. Uh, to the point where it's like, I don't know if he's
1: lying. Like, he might be a liar, which is less funny. Yeah, that guy was odd. You But you were just entertaining it because you thought it was funny. You weren't actually – yeah. Yes. I asked him what his
3: parents – did because he said he spent his puberty at a boarding school in the mountains and so i was like what did your like parents do to send you to a boarding school like what what they do for work and he goes they're retired i was was like okay no 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 well what did they do and he said that they were they were dentists and ran a research lab and i said what's happening at the lab what kind of research you doing and he said that's where they grow the teeth
1: he this guy was so weird yeah I'm
3: loving this conversation he finally asks he says hey what's your Instagram and I, I'm not giving this n- not after this and so I no. said and so I said back oh I don't have one like I don't want him to have that, it period right yeah. yeah so I was like oh I don't have like, social media or whatever because um it's actually hard to find me on Instagram because I only have my first name there's no like same yeah Not this one, (laughs) to
1: be clear. My personal Instagram is really hard to find.
3: Yeah. And so I knew he wasn't going to unmatch. Wow. Yeah. And then another guy, hey, big question. What's the question? I asked the question. He answers the question and then said, What's your IG? Let's chat there.
1: No. There's no need for that.
3: There's no need for that. We don't need to take this to a separate app. So that one, I didn't. I didn't lie about my possession of Instagram. I just said, like, oh, like I don't like to chat on Instagram. We can either continue here, or frankly, you can text me. And I gave him my number. Unmatch.
1: Wow. That I mean, that sounds shady. Like that sounds like somebody with Something shady is, intent. I agree. That's fucking weird. That's weird. I know that that happens a lot. The reason is because people ask me about it a lot. I yeah. know that people. Want to chat on Instagram or Snapchat for the youngs. Yeah. And not Bumble. I have never one time been asked to move to another app like that. Yeah. It's dumb. I've been asked for my handle. Like people have asked me for my Instagram and I say no. Right. But the idea of let's chat there, no, that doesn't make any sense. Like I, I suppose that it might be because. They will get the push notifications there. They're in that app more often, et cetera. But like texting would solve that same need. Do you? I have gotten before via Instagram, for, this is very
3: millennial, I think, just not to use Snap maybe. I've gotten like those expiring photos of men's areas on Instagram.
1: <gasps> I've never.
3: So I think that that is, it. that could be a use. That could be a use now that we're talking about it. Yeah. And – that could be his motive.
1: I think we I think we talked about this in the unsolicited one. That was comically one of our very first episodes. <laughs> um I've never gotten an unsolicited dick pic. Wild. Yeah. Um yeah, that's interesting though that so many people are saying that they don't have it's I would assume they're saying I don't have single friends, not I don't have friends.
3: Yeah, I guess. We're we're swiping young though. Like we're try, like we're trying yeah. to skew it as to like Our criteria are not what they would typically be. Right. Like what
1: fucking 29 year old doesn't have a friend? Yeah, I mean, maybe it's that they don't have a friend that they would like want to bring with them. Like maybe they're like, my friends suck. I don't know, but it just seems like seems odd. Yeah. One guy was like, How
3: will you like, how will you choose with like when you both like me?
1: Ew. Yeah, exactly. One aspect of the like you know, what about what, when both of you like me thing, that was one aspect that was difficult about grouper that I imagine will be difficult about this too, when you guys do go out is that like, so for example, I mentioned previously that on the, on one of the groupers, I've been on three groupers and on one of them, one of my friends is now married to one of those guys. Right. That guy was the only eligible prospect of the three of them when Mm -hmm. we went out. And it was immediately clear this didn't turn into an awkward thing because it was immediately they were like magnets and they were just talking. It was basically the oh other God. four of us on a double date because the two of them were just so connected immediately and now they're married, so it makes sense. Um, God bless them. But on other groupers that I've went on, it's been like awkward to be like, okay, what are they going to be? The seating arrangements at first? Oh, no, the guy that I like's over there you know, that whole shuffle when you're not actually matched up.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that maybe we need to do a better job of it because I don't think this will be well suited to any type of sit down thing no. or something like that. No. Yeah. It needs to be really casual. Like, hey, my friends and I like this bar. Let's just all meet there. You know, who could, that is what we're talking about. It's This yeah. does not
1: have to be a formal thing. No, like let's like gather around a high top table at a bar. Exactly. Like, standing so I'm, room only.
3: I'm almost wondering if like we are we are probably I'm I'm thinking of this like as I'm saying it. This is not a well-baked thought, but we might be better off, honestly, like going on individual dates and then being like, let's go to a second
1: location and like all meet up. I actually really like that idea. I think that that might be the move. Yeah. And you could tr- you could you don't have to pick because you have this burner phone where you have your dual profile. You also each have your individual phones. Right, where we you will You can do both. Say we're in our current locations. Yeah. Right. You could do both. You could like simultaneously search for individual dates that could turn into doubles yeah. while searching for doubles. That's true. That's true.
3: Okay, maybe that's a good pivot. Anyway, I like that idea. Yeah, I'll keep you posted. Hopefully, like I want silly things to happen just so I have a story.
1: <laughs> yeah, anyway. I went on. I went on a double date with my friend, who this was la two years ago now. Maybe I had started finding Mister Hype, but I believe it was when it was still like just on Instagram. Mm-hmm. It was my friend who had been seeing this guy from Bumble. She, my friend is twenty four. She's on my volleyball team. She'd been seeing this guy from Bumble and they were like going to go on their third date. And he was like, hey, like a friend just asked me if I wanted to meet up. Like I, I could totally say no to him unless you have a single friend who like might be down for a last minute hang and then we can all hang out. And love. Yeah. And so she texted me and I wrote back and was like, that sounds super fun. How old is the guy that you're seeing? Great question. And he was, I want to say, 29 or 30. This was two years ago, so I was 32, mm-hmm. 33. So I was like, okay, so his friend yeah. is probably yeah. not 24. Like, that's fine. Um, and so then we all went out, and I ended up seeing that guy again one more time. Okay. Allie. Yeah. You had a virtual date. You had a natal chart reading.
3: Yes. But what does the future
1: hold? Um. Well, also, I had a, a psychic reading this past week that I haven't talked about on the regular pod, because that that's was true. only we on deep dived. We
3: deep-dived on the Patreon. I feel like... I won't go is into likes super Yeah, I'm trying to think is there detail. a way to hit the highs and then I want to hear about – because I, I do want to hear about the new one.
1: Yeah. So so I, I ended up seeing a psychic for a reading on Tuesday um, and I loved it so much that I decided to do another reading with her, which was like a full natal chart reading, um, which was this past Saturday, which was like a two-and-a-half-hour thing. Um, and so across those two – she really ended up kind of combining it in a sense because like during my natal chart reading, she referenced a lot back to the five-month outlook that we had done. That's great. Kind of like, yeah, it was really cool. We talked about my life path. I think the, the biggest takeaway for me is that she feels really strongly – and she felt this way before she knew really anything about me, by the way. She feels really strongly that my purpose in life – is the home and the family, Mm -hmm. which doesn't necessarily mean my home and family, although she does think that she sees family as being a huge part of my life, which it is a huge part of my life, and she sees that continuing. The bigger meaning was also helping other people with their home and their family. Yes. Which is like what I do here. Mm -hmm. Which she didn't know during my... Psychic reading, obviously during that reading that came up, but she didn't know that. I booked I booked her through, although it was sort of in pursuit of research for Finding Mr. Height and for potentially the pod, I booked it through my personal yeah. so that she wouldn't have, she wouldn't really have any information about that. Um, And she just kept going on about, you know, my ability to communicate with people and emote with people and she wants me to be writing. And it was just really interesting that she just felt really strongly that the... Full-time thing that I'm doing currently is not what I'm meant to be doing. And how does that feel to you when you hear that? It resonates with me because i I have felt throughout the my finding Mr. Height journey that although I really love my job and i'm I'm very good at it, my retail job, it it doesn't fulfill me mm-hmm. And this does. Gotcha. And i I also think I'm good at this. And so like, it's, you know, it's not like, it's not like there's a, there. it's not like I, but it, I'm going to try to say, it is tricky because it's not like I hate my job. Right. Of course. It's not like those stories that you hear about entrepreneurs who were like so fucking miserable in their corporate jobs. Right. And then like went out on their own. That's not me. Yeah. So it. It was sort of affirming while at the same time kind of just posing a lot of questions. Yeah, Um, it reminds –
3: so I think that this experience would remind me a lot of on Friends when Phoebe tells Rachel that the test is – that her pregnancy test is negative mm. and Rachel gets very upset Mm
0: -hmm. and
3: Phoebe says, I was lying, it's positive you're pregnant and Rachel's like, well, that's a risky game. <laughs> um, and so, cause I, cause in thinking about it. It's cause I, obviously I know you've thought about making this your full time and yeah, like not the podcast specifically, but like you're finding Mr. Height portfolio and yeah. like basically viewing that, like expand, expanding that as necessary because it's now full time, et cetera. Whereas, I know if a psychic told me, like what I, I would be like, fuck off. <laughs> like, hang up the call. You know, like, because I, because, because I feel so good. And so I think it's, it, it's just an interesting kind of regardless. It can show you where your like heart is sitting, you yeah. know?
1: I mean, p- part of it made me like believe her more because she said something that was aligned with where my heart is sitting. Mm hmm and like she to your point she could have said that to you and had a completely different response or to anybody oh for sure
3: i'm i'm just saying it's an interesting like no matter what she had said
1: your reaction tells you something oh yeah absolutely um and she also had some like weirdly freaky which i went into in more detail on the on the patreon but some like weirdly freaky predictions that mm-hmm. some of which were already true that she had no way of knowing one of which was like five minutes into our call, and I was just all in on her for the for the rest of time. Yeah. Um, but something related to so she sees 2022 as a year of transformation for me, a year of reflection, a, a rebuilding. Transformation. Year, as they say in the Yes. Words. A rebuilding year. Yes, exactly. Um, so that 2023 can be the year I go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. To that end, we talked about my love life and it was interesting. I can't remember if I said this on the Patreon. She asked, are you seeing anybody right now that you care about? Mm-hmm. And I said, yes. And she said, is it serious? And I said, no, it's it's very early. I think it could be serious. but And that's like basically all the information that I gave her. And she said, okay, good. Because if you were seeing somebody really seriously, I would be telling you that it's not your person because this year is so going to be so transformative for you. But what she said, and then we talked about it more in my natal chart reading, she talked about how right now I need to just be watching the movie of my life mm-hmm. and like reflecting and journaling. I actually started journaling about it last night. I wrote three pages like out of nowhere. Cool. I like, typed typed Great. three pages out you of were nowhere. You drawn like a moth yeah. to the flame. Yeah. A writer I mean, to the pen. Like- Always loved writing, so like it makes sense, but I've never been a journaler. Also, Um, um,
3: any listeners that would like to join me in Skeptics Corner, DM me.
1: (laughs) I'm not saying, I'm not saying like I believe everything the psychic is saying.
0: I understand. Um,
1: But like, I think I appreciated her perspective, I think mostly because of what you said in terms of it revealing how I'm feeling. Yeah. And it giving me more reflection points. To think about, yeah, in in a very similar way as like when my therapist says things, and it sort of helps me think about how I'm feeling, yeah. Um, but this was more rooted in because through my, my natal chart, we talked about you know different aspects of my personality and how you know I am on the one hand somebody who appreciates order and structure, but on the other hand somebody who wants to do things my own way, and can sometimes be a little bit chaotic in that, mm-hmm. but I'm doing it in my own order and structure. Yeah. Um, And so, and she also said that I am somebody who learns through doing, like I'm, I'm not going to actually learn something unless I have tried it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not just going to like believe something is true just because it logically makes sense. Sure. Um. And so that's what she was kind of saying about watching the movie. Like, right now, she's like, I really just want you to sit back and just observe him, the rower. Yeah. And do your own thing. Be dating other people. You know, I'm starting my matchmaker up again. I am I went on a virtual date on Saturday, which I'll talk about. But, like, really just sit back and watch it. Yeah. And evaluate how it makes you feel. Enjoy the ride. Mm-hmm. So, but it was cool. Like, we ta- my natal chart reading was really cool. We just talked a lot more about, you know – things that, that might be hard for me and ways that I can kind of, you know, like optimize for different aspects of my personality. And it was interesting. I enjoyed That's it. That's great. Yeah. So, so
3: A, how has watching the rower been going? And B, how is the virtual to date? Or switch them, whichever you want to talk about first.
1: Watching the rower is not much of an update. Um, I have literally been watching because I haven't seen him. Um, or not literally been watching, rather. I have not literally been watching because I haven't seen him. But – We didn't talk for much of this week, which Mm -hmm. is very odd. It was the longest we'd ever gone without texting. Was there any explanation on his part? No. But I also didn't text him.
3: No, I know. I was just curious. But like,
1: yeah. But but what I mean is like I don't think there would be. I would have to be explaining myself too. I understand. Um, I
3: just feel like he is usually in the past has been initiating text with you most days. And so I would expect something that said, hey, sorry, this week has been X. Or something like that. But.
1: Yeah. So – and then for so for the last like three or four days, we've been talking more. We don't have plans to see each other. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a little over a week since I saw him. And I'm just – I'm like – I'm observing that. I'm – you know, it doesn't feel great, but at the same time, it's become less present for me. Yeah. It's not something that that's like occupying my thoughts very much at all except when I purposefully think about it like right now when we're talking about right. it. Right.
0: Do you Um, feel like
1: your interest is waning? A little bit, but not in a way that makes me want to like end things. Right. Because like if he –
3: let's say you hang out this weekend and he said like I'm there,
1: I want to be exclusive, like are you still there? I've thought about that. I think that if and when – so first of all, I don't think that's (laughs) going to happen. Agreed. This is fully thought experiment Yeah. But if I, – I have thought about it though. Like if he said that, I think that I would need a very in-depth conversation about why. Mm-hmm. What made you not – because we didn't have that in-depth – much of an in-depth conversation about it when he said he wasn't ready. Like mm-hmm. he said that, you know, he feels really early in dating, et cetera. Like I, I got it. We didn't need to talk about it ad nauseum. Yeah. But I think I would want to – Talk about what made you not feel ready on New Year's Day. What is different now? Like, tell me about those that feeling change. Tell me about how you're feeling now. And I, I don't know if – I know that I'm not in the exact same place that I was on New Year's because I thought he was in the same place as me and, and he wasn't. And so that, you know, threw me a little bit. Yeah. So I would I would want to have more in-depth conversations about it. Gotcha. For sure. But, again, I don't think that's what's happening. <laughs> but I think I, I want to continue I – d- I don't want to cut things off is, w- is where my head is at. Okay. Because I I basically want to continue to see how I feel about it while exploring other things. And I don't think, based on my experience of my virtual date, which I'll talk about in a second, I don't think that he is preventing me emotionally from liking other people. Great. And as long as that's true, yeah, then I feel totally to comfortable true. seeing him. Yeah. yeah. Like that if that weren't true then then that we would be in a very we would be having a very different conversation right now. Um so my virtual date, um it was really fun. It was probably the best virtual date that I've had. Damn. Including the duke for those who've been around. Yeah, since the I was going to
3: say cuz he kind of set the bar I think for virtual dates.
1: Yeah. It was just really easy. He like he asked a lot of really good questions, which I appreciated because I think on a virtual date it you has to be a little bit more Jeff?
0: <laughs> maybe.
1: Um I think on a virtual date there there it has to be a little bit more question based. Agreed. Like it's just a little bit harder to generate natural conversation with a stranger over FaceTime. Um but I liked him. Uh, he is a long-distance prospect. He lives very far away from me. How far is – what are we talking here? Over an hour. But like in New York. Yes. Oh, yes. He lives in New oh, York Okay. City, but he lives He lives really far from me. Okay. Um, yeah, and, honestly, and-
3: when you made the joke on Patreon about Central Park, I was like, oh, the fact that he <laughs> thinks you're doing something in Central Park means this man lives far away from you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He lives far um he lives further than central park um so we were supposed to go we were actually supposed to go out in person um we were supposed to go to dinner um on saturday night in manhattan and we were meeting halfway even mm-hmm. though we were i was going all the way into that's how far away he lives that i was going into manhattan and that was meeting him halfway then there was a blizzard right and it was supposed to be negative 11 that day in Wild. new york yeah i did not leave the i did not leave the home so i texted him in the morning and was like hey would you mind if we went to virtual or whatever? And he was totally yeah. cool with it. So we like had drinks. I had wine. He had bourbon. And we chatted for like two hours. The only reason we hung up is because his phone was about to die, which is now – that is a good excuse to exit a virtual date. Yeah, let's take that forward. away
3: from this. Yeah.
1: And he I, – I, I don't think that he was using it as an excuse. But like what was also – what I also would recommend if you are going to use that is – he had like maybe 30 minutes before that happened. So maybe an hour and a half in, he was like, there was a pop-up and he was like, oh, my, my phone's at 10%.
0: Mm.
1: And so then when it was about to die, I was like, yeah, that that checks out. Like you, your phone was at 10%. Um, I don't think he was lying about it. Uh, yeah, but, no, I'm, I'm teasing. But just a good note, because I do think that virtual dates are much harder to end, even if they're going well. Like there's yeah. less of a natural end point. So it was really good. That being said, I haven't heard from him. And I think the reason might be because we had a really in-depth conversation about my dating coaching and my social media presence. Oh, boy. And he – which I always do on a first date. I always tell them. He had the most trepidation about it of anyone I've ever told. Oh, how interesting. But he's he's in his early 40s. So I, I wonder if that had something to do with it too in terms of his just relationship to social media and Definitely. how much he shares in general. He So his first reaction was like, so, okay, he thought it was very cool what I do and the support that I'm able to give people and the community that I've built, et cetera, et cetera. Like he thought that was awesome for me. Like he was extremely supportive. Where he was more trepidatious was about his own involvement. Yes. Uh, which is totally fair. I mean, he can feel that way. But um, he said to me something that that was really interesting. He said, you know, this is – it's like, thank you for, for telling me this. You know, the one of the reasons that it gives me a little bit of pause is because it requires that I put a lot more trust in you right away than most people that I would date. Oh, interesting. Which is true. But it's like that – it isn't a framing that i had thought of before yeah agreed agreed so he said that and you know i said i i totally i appreciate that um that's that's true because although you know i i assured him that i do not reveal any identifying information about the people that i date you know like and i said to him i said you know like all that my followers know currently about right now is that I'm going on a date and he at first was like oh oh I don't know which my Uh, reaction was like okay dude (laughs) uh, settle down I'm going on a date is a just "Mm, we're gonna have to be cool with that yeah like that (laughs) and then he got like he got there like that was like the very beginning of the conversation but like he also at one point like made a joke about me being like a Carrie Bradshaw and so then I was like well that is a flattering comparison I do no. want to make it clear that she was a sex columnist. Yes. And I am not. Yes. Because that could be an an aspect that would make people uncomfortable if I was if I were really? out here talking about, you know, my sex life and even if it were anonymous, like that I could understand somebody not being comfortable with that. Absolutely. Um and I am one of those people who is not comfortable with that.
3: <laughs> I mean, same. so yeah, this is this yeah. is the uncomfortable podcast on that regard. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah, we don't talk about that. So so anyway, so we continue to talk about it. And he said that, and I and I said, you know, it's like that's that is true. Like I he is he is correct that if I wanted to, I'm gonna put ruin his life in quotes. But like if I wanted to West Elm Caleb him, yeah, I could. Right. I am not, I'm obviously not going to. Correct. And anybody who has seen my content would know that I have never and no. will never give any identifying details about anyone, even my most terrible ex. Yeah. But He doesn't know that. True. He doesn't know me from a hole in the wall. Yes. But then I said to him, I said, this is making me think as well, though, that you are, very true, putting more trust in me than the average person that you're going on a first date with. By telling you that I have this platform, I am also putting more trust in you. Very nice. Than the average person. In that- I didn't give him the handle. He asked a couple times, jokingly, like, "What was that? What was the Instagram again?" <laughs> like, kind of way. Yeah, he could find it though very easily. I didn't yeah. tell him that, but like, he could. I don't think he will. I don't. I don't think he planned to. Maybe he did, and that's why I haven't heard from him. But whatever. If he were to find it, he would have way more insight into who I am as a person, my dating history my needs, my thoughts, my insecurities, my anxieties. Yeah.
3: Like,
1: he would know way more about me than I do about him. Yes. Than he does about anybody else that he's been on, like, actually multiple dates with, probably. Totally. So the trust is going both ways. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Um, So regardless of what happens with him, I am really glad that we had that conversation because I think it kind of – It framed this whole thing as it relates to my dating life in a new light for me and Mm -hmm. kind of like helped me think about having that conversation in the future in, in, you know, more nuanced ways as well.
3: Yeah. That's great. It's interesting.
1: Will you reach out to him? I don't think so. Okay. Mostly because of how far away he lives.
3: That's fair. I wonder if he's thinking about that. I mean, there's a reality where
1: he could be thinking about that too. He honestly might. He didn't know where he knew I lived in Brooklyn, but he didn't know how far into Brooklyn I lived until the call. I like it. Yeah, so. all right. Does it? Okay, so this week's weird or not nah is they're attending their ex's wedding. I mean, this is weird.
3: <laughs> I don't even like you I, to stay friends with. Can you imagine in my situation like you, you would think so? Where I don't like you to stay friends with your ex. You've allegedly not been, and then all of a sudden a fucking wedding invite comes to the door.
1: I'm like, what? I mean, I would hope, I would hope that you knew that they were still in touch with their ex when that invitation yeah. came in. Who Good Lord. Anyway, so
3: okay, I don't like this at all. People have to think this is weird. I'm going to say 75 weird, 25 nah. You are way weirder than you think you are. What? On no. Who are these people? <laughs> this isn't normal. <laughs> Guys, justify yourselves.
1: God. So it was. It was. It did skew weird, but it was really close. It was fifty-five, forty-five.
3: Oh, get out! Who are these? Like evolved? No. No.
1: Ugh. I'm fine with this. Why it is? It's super context-dependent, don't get me wrong. Yeah. There are absolutely contexts and circumstances where I would not find this acceptable. And all of the people, not all, the vast majority of the responses acknowledge that, that like there are obviously times when going to an ex's wedding would be very fucking weird depending yeah. on your history of your person, but most of the people that said that this is fine said like that's very mature that's a green flag that they can maintain relationships like that you know if they're friends it would make sense that they go to each other's weddings so i think actually that is my
3: objection to it where a wedding invite implies the relationship that you've been having up until that moment and that's the whole part that i'm not cool with
1: Right, like if 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 I posted a weird or nah that said they're friends with their ex, you would vote weird.
3: Exactly. No, uh, I would yeah. say
1: it's not weird, but it, it's a fucking deal breaker. <laughs> I mean that would that would mean you would vote weird though. If you had to pick weird or nah, you have to pick one. This is binary. You have to pick one. You would pick weird. For me personally, I'd pick weird. For the world, yeah. I pick nah. <laughs> so yeah, so you object to the entire premise? I do, I do, from which this weird or nah stems, but. Like, I I could see – I mean, we're not friends, but I don't think it would be weird if I went – if the coach invited me to his wedding. He will not. We are not friends. Yeah. But, like I- – because of the history there and the fact that we are totally cool, like – I'm only cool fine. if it's like a high school
3: boyfriend who, like, you grew up next door and, like, your families are so far- – I need some extenuating so fucking circumstances. That's so specific. Yeah, if you lived more than two blocks away, <laughs> it does <didn't count. laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I've never – Dated somebody where this would have been the case. I'm trying to think if like I dated anybody where like they were close enough with an ex that they would have gone to a wedding. Yeah, I think this is not weird in the right circumstances. There are absolutely circumstances where it would be fucking awful. Yeah. So Ugh, you people, <laughs> wild.
3: Our wild. listeners
0: are too evolved.
3: In um, Ali, indicative of my tiredness is the fact that like work is in ridiculousness, but um. You had to. I missed you. You had to fly solo with our guest, and so will you intro. Like I'm, I'm kind of excited to listen to it myself, but um, as like a pure listener. But tell me about um Krista, who you spoke to the other day.
1: Yeah, we missed you. I talked to Krista Saint Germain um, a couple days ago. She is the host of the Widowed Mom podcast. She, I won't um, spoiler her story because she will tell it herself shortly. But she is a widowed mom, as the name of the podcast might suggest. And we had a really good and emotional conversation about dating after partner loss and a little bit about navigating that with kids, but mostly focused on partner loss. Um, I cried at one point. So that was fun. Oh, my gosh. How vulnerable. That's so nice. Good for <laughs> it you. Like, it felt very cathartic, actually. Yeah, uh, I love that. I, I'm excited for the listeners to hear our interview with Krista. Great. So I've been talking a bunch about how I'm trying to order in less. And part of that is that I'm cooking at home more. But when I don't have time to cook, which is more often than not, I have really still been loving factors meals that are ready to eat in just two minutes.
0: Yeah. And they have so many options too. every week their menu, they have 35 options that you can pick from. So you can find whatever it is that you're looking for.
1: code FMH50 to get 50% off your first
0: box plus 20% off your next box. That's code FMH50 at factormeals.com FMH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active.
1: Back with Krista. Hi, Krista. How are you? Welcome to Finding Mister Hyde the podcast.
2: I am well and excited to be here.
1: So excited to have you. Quick note for the listeners that Rourke did have a little bit of a work emergency pop up, so it'll just be you and me chatting. We will miss her dearly, of course, but I'm excited to talk to you. Likewise. Yeah. So you know, we did a little bit of an intro for the listeners right as we brought this segment in, but I thought we could hear from you too. Would love to hear you know, a little bit more about your background, kind of how you got into this whole space and we can kind of go from there. Sure.
2: Yeah. I got into this by complete accident, like literally an accident. So, um, I never intended to do grief work at all. About five and a half years ago, I was coming home from a trip with my husband and I had a flat tire And we pulled over to the side of the interstate and he went to change the tire on my car. And as he was getting the tire out of the back of my trunk, a driver came up behind us who we later found out had both meth and alcohol in his system and didn't see us and smashed right into the back of Hugo's car and trapped him in between his car and mine. And less than a day later, he had died. He was gone. So oh my God. I found myself, yeah, as you can imagine, like my whole life just kind of like exploded. I was 40 when it happened. And this was my second marriage. He was like my knight in shining armor. Like my first marriage kind of ended badly. And so he was like the redemption story.
1: Yeah. And
2: um, yeah, it was it was really awful. And I found myself not knowing anything about grief and also realizing that everything I thought I knew wasn't accurate or helpful. And kind of in this place that I now refer to eventually as this grief plateau where I went to therapy, really helpful, loved my therapist, told my story enough times to actually get to the point where it felt real. And I realized he wasn't on a business trip. Right. But then you reach this place where a lot of people do where Everybody's telling you you're so strong and you look like you're strong because you're keeping it together and you're back at work and people don't right. know what you're feeling on the inside but you definitely aren't feeling strong for me I was feeling just really hollow and robotic and kind of like shit I think I think my best days are actually behind me and like the best is that I'm just going to like get used to this right but I'm probably never going to be as happy as I was with him and ugh, <laughs> That's not a good place to be. So fortunately I found, I discovered life coaching at like this pivotal point when I really needed it. And, and I combined kind of the life coaching and then all of this research that I did on grief and also post-traumatic growth, which PS I had never heard of. Like I knew about post-traumatic stress, but I had no idea you could actually grow after trauma. And I was yeah. again, like, wait, wait, what are you talking about? And so when I got to a place where I did enough work on myself and I really realized no actually I love my life and I actually am happy and and I you know wasn't even dating at that point Um, I really wanted to help other women do the same thing. And so that's what I do now is I run a group coaching program that's specifically for widowed moms. And I I host a podcast called the Widowed Mom Podcast. And that's my goal is to, to, I don't want widows or anyone settling for this crappy new normal that they didn't ask for, right? I want them to be educated and I want them to know what's really possible and be genuinely happy after a loss.
1: So yeah, here we are. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm i so sorry that you went through that, but that that's an incredible story of growth afterwards. Um, I, I don't know. You probably don't know this, but my mom is a widowed mom, actually.
2: Oh, no. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. So my dad died three years ago.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm sorry.
1: Um, thank you. So all of that stuff that you were saying yeah. about – you know, feeling like, am I ever going to be happy again? Was that my, was that the best? Like you said, are my best days behind me? Like, is that, was that the peak of my life? And now I'm just going to try to keep it. Yeah. Like that is, that is very, very relatable to me in my mom's Mm -hmm. journey. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, in a way my own, but in a very different way. Um, But it's, it's incredible how you've kind of taken that and and turned it into this incredible resource.
2: Thank you. Yeah. I honestly I can't imagine doing anything else now that it's what I do all the time, but I certainly <laughs> didn't have a goal, <laughs> you know, Of of – and in fact, even when I had discovered life coaching at a certain point, I really thought I would be too sad to work with widows, but I just hadn't done enough of my own work and I hadn't gotten to the place where I now am, which is that I firmly believe that feelings are not problems, right? They're just experiences and we mm-hmm. don't need to change them or solve them. We just need to allow them. And so, yeah, I'm in a really different place than I was in
1: those early days. Yeah. that's. And you have kids, I assume, based on the widow's yeah, mom. Yeah,
2: I do. Yeah, my, At the time, my daughter was 12 and my son was 9, and now I have a senior in high school and a freshman in high school.
1: Oh wow. yeah, yeah. they're at they're at fun spots.
2: They are, and she's going to graduate <laughs> and go to go to Costa Rica next fall. and yeah, so yeah, and that oh, wow. can be you know even more challenging, depending on the age of your children. And you know for some women, it sounds like probably where your mom is, perhaps where you know it can already be hard enough if your kids are out of the house, and you know now you're kind of trying to figure out what life is like, not in that, that primary role of being a mom so much. And then you lose yeah. your spouse and
1: then now who am I and yeah right yeah and I think you know and we will, I promise listeners we will not make this the me show but but my my parents were 19 when they met so oh, yeah you know my mom is also grappling with like that's the only person that she's ever mm-hmm. been with as an adult yep
2: yeah, yeah. I, f- I hear that all the time. Yeah. And they haven't dated in so long. And what's it like to date again? And you don't want to date again. You're just mad that the whole thing happened. You don't really want a different person and all of that. I remember, I remember the first time I went out on a, I didn't even know it was a date at the time, but the first time I went out with dinner with someone who I later realized he thought we were on a date. And afterwards (laughs) I was just so pissed off. I was just mad at everyone and everything, you know, because all I really wanted was you just want your old life back. You want the life you asked for. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's also – she jokes about the fact that she also sees men her age and thinks like, oh my God, he's so old. <laughs> because like she grew she old with my dad and so yeah. she like never had to – and I'm not saying – she she describes herself as old. She is not. But like she grew old with him and so she's never yeah. had to look at a 65-year-old man as an attractive prospect because – her previous sixty-five-year-old man was the nineteen-year-old she met.
2: Totally, yeah, yeah. And you don't see yourself as the age you actually
1: are. You don't usually no. don't feel like you're that age. So yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, she and I were out for a walk when I was home for Christmas, and we passed by this very attractive man that was like her age, and who I assume was his son, who was my age. And I we passed by them, and I said, "Mom, that guy was checking you out." And she goes, "The old one." <laughs> I'm like, "Mom." Uh, Mom uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm like. Let's. I, I hate to tell you. <laughs> right, let's do a let's do a check here. But also, he was very handsome. She was uh-huh. like, no, no.
2: Well, hey, you know, she can go for the younger ones. It's fine, whatever. Yeah,
1: it was too funny. But so, but speaking about, you know, you mentioned you were out on your first, what you now know is a date. Like, yeah, what what did that process look like, or what does that process look like for your clients? That yeah, you know, getting to that point.
2: You know, it's different for everybody. For me, I don't think I took the traditional path. I really did not want to date at all, and I did not date until it was, I don't know two and a half, three years after he died. I, I just the, the my the interest in dating for me was about zero. It seemed yeah. like a hassle. I just didn't want to do it, um, and and so I didn't. And so by the time I was actually ready to date, I. I didn't date long and I found someone that I adore and kind of happened pre-COVID. It was like right when COVID was, you know, starting to become a thing and went out on one date, went out on another date and then COVID started <laughs> happening and we just went into a bubble and now we live together. So, you know, have no. been together for a couple of years. But I I think the reason it was so much different for me than it is for a lot of people is I got myself to a place where I didn't, I really didn't need a relationship. I absolutely believed I was happy and totally content on my own and a relationship felt like something fun to do. It felt like I was more interested in giving love to someone as opposed to filling what at one point felt like a very large void, right? Like I I filled the void myself first and then it just became lighthearted and fun. And I, that's not what I see happening a lot of times. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And So how in that time when you were in that space when you were trying to, you know, fill yourself up, how Mm -hmm. did you stay hopeful that, you know, you were doing it in service of something?
2: Well, I think what I started figuring out was that, you know, what I now teach, which is that emotions, you know, don't come from outside of us, right? They come from inside of us. They come mm-hmm. from the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves and about what's happening in our lives. And so, you know, when you think that your happiness depends on a relationship because you think that's where it comes from, then of course you're going to want to put yourself in a relationship because all humans want to feel happy, right? And right. and what I was realizing and doing the work on myself to to kind of cement was that no actually you know my happiness doesn't come from anything outside of me it really is an inside job and how do I think in ways that make me feel happy and content and whole how do I recognize that I am whole just as I am and then if I want to be in a relationship it becomes about what I want to give to someone it becomes about experiences that I want to have as a human on the planet but it doesn't become about it's not needy or graspy it doesn't feel like like I'm dependent on finding a match because I'm, like, right. already my own champion and my own kind of match, if you will.
1: Yeah. I like yeah. thinking about happiness as an inside job, like a bank heist.
2: Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no guns involved. <laughs> but yes, it is an inside job, totally. I mean, really, like – and but most of us, I think, if you don't know that, especially when it comes to the loss of a spouse, if you're really happy in a relationship – and then the re- the person is taken from you or the relationship ends, then of course you're going to attribute your emotional satisfaction to the relationship and the person. Right. Right? I think I yeah. was also in a great position because my sec- my first marriage didn't end so well. I knew what it was like to be miserable in a marriage. Mm. And, I, and, and so I knew what it was like to be with someone but incredibly lonely because oh. you've been there, right? Where there's someone yeah. next to you in the bed, but you feel like
1: you're so you, all alone in the universe. You kind of had that point of reference of like, I don't want just anybody here with uh-uh.
2: me. Uh-uh. And I also realized that, you know, I kind of bought into the the cultural messaging that I think most women, hopefully less and less these days, but you know, I was 40 when it happened. You you buy into, okay, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to go to school. I'm supposed to get a job. I'm supposed to get married. I'm going to have a couple kids. I'm going to have a house and voila, like I will be happy. And I found myself in my mid thirties, like, wait, okay, (laughs) something is, (laughs) something is amiss, right? I think you're supposed to be happier than I currently feel. And and so I had to go through all of that stuff, right? And then I ended up in my second marriage. And so I just had a whole different perspective of like, it isn't the relationship that, that makes your life joyful and full of meaning. It is, you have to do that for yourself. And then what do you want
1: in a relationship? Yeah, and then it can make yeah. it so much more joyful and full of so much more meaning.
2: Totally right, but it's but it doesn't become about you know that Shell Silverstein book The Missing Piece. Yeah, I love that. I yeah, love that. it doesn't become about like I have a missing piece and it, and you're my missing piece. It's like no, I'm whole. I am a I am complete, and I would love to be with another complete person. Right. right. Who nobody's trying to fill a hole of anything.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Whole different vibe.
1: A lot of people are wondering when you're starting to date again, how do you introduce your story
2: mm, into the yeah. mix? Yeah. Third date. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, if if there was a rule, I would I would give it to you. But what I just find is that it's really just about what you're comfortable with, you know, and maybe yeah. why you want to introduce it. So I don't think there's a, a right and a wrong. I don't think there's a particular amount of time. I don't think it's a problem if you hold your cards, you know, really close and, and – Um, You know, not share that with someone until you feel a sense of trust. But, um, you know, what are you looking for in sharing that information, right? Are you looking
1: to be comforted? Are you looking to be consoled? Or are you just looking to be honest? Yeah. I think a lot of people worry and that – and I worry about this with bringing up that my dad died. Mm
2: -hmm. I think
1: a lot of people worry that they're going to appear damaged to somebody else by sharing that truth about themselves. Yeah.
2: Yeah. My philosophy was like, I'm gonna make it known really quick because my thought is if he can't hang, um, I'd rather know that sooner than later. But 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 it's not like a pass or fail test necessarily either, right? I know I'm not damaged, right? Yeah. if If he's gonna think that I'm damaged, then that's kind of on him. Right? Yeah. And I'd rather I'd rather know that sooner than later. Or if he's going to have some you know jealous issues because you know Hugo's I didn't ask for him to die. He's always going to have a special place in my heart. I still talk about him. There's still pictures of him. You know we we still celebrate his birthday. Like that's never changing. And and so for me, I just decided I don't want to date somebody who can't cope with that and and who isn't secure enough in themselves to to know that he will always have a space in my heart and in my life. And that's not for everybody.
1: Not everybody's there. Yeah. And that's something that actually came up in a lot of the questions too is clarifying that, clarifying Mm -hmm. mourning and then remembering as being different than being hung up on someone. Totally.
2: Yeah. It's not about – because I think – and this speaks to just our general, um, you know, Oh, all the all the myths that we have about grief that we buy into, like that we're supposed to move on. You know, we use that language a lot, which it's so inaccurate because you you don't move on. It's to move on would be to say that you you know it, it never happened or that you didn't care. You move forward, but but that that life experience becomes part of the fabric of who you are and the way that you view the world. And so mm-hmm. you never move on from that. You just move forward with it and it makes it a little challenging because nobody wants to talk about this stuff. You know, when, when you're out there in the dating world and other people don't understand that. Right. And right. they expect that if you're talking about it, then it means that you're stuck. Right. Or you, you are, you're not, somehow you're not doing it right, which is just not at all true.
1: Yeah. And I I think you you definitely want somebody who's going to hold space for it. I do, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think – Especially if you have kids. Well, right. And, and, you know, especially if you have young kids. You know, I think that for me, for my mom with me and my brother, it's a little different because we're adults and, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously we would still be upset if she decided to erase our dad from her memory, which she's obviously not doing. Yeah. But like not as much – like there's not as much tied to it as if your kids are still, you know, in the house, right. young.
2: Yeah, agreed. Yeah, because you really do want to keep – I mean, you know, I can't speak for every widow in the world, but I think most of us really want to keep the memory of our spouse and, you know, their, their father – forefront, right? Because kids don't, they want to hear about their other parent, right? Mm -hmm. And so how do we do that? It's through storytelling, it's through memory sharing, it's through photos, it's through videos. And, you know, if you're going to date someone and and they can't cope with that, they get jealous or make that mean something negative about you or make that mean that you don't love them enough, then it's probably not going to work. So for me, I just kind of wanted to know that up front. So I literally had it in my profile. Oh, really? Yeah, What did it, it say? Just, oh, I, I don't know. Just, you know, that I was a widow. I don't remember. But, you know, when I went out with um, Todd, who is my partner now, he had already – because I host a podcast. He had already right. Googled me, listened to my podcast and, oh. <laughs> like, totally knew the story. And that really helped me because there was so much I didn't have to explain because he'd already gone out and, like, tried to educate himself, which I
1: thought was yeah. beautiful. I hope that on my first day to listen to my podcast. <laughs>
2: Hey, listen. You know, do you, you like different. do you like me or not? Because that's who I want to be with, right?
1: Yeah, no, that's very true. And I say that a lot about people say, you know, well, what if a guy doesn't like that you talk about your dating life Next. online? Like, well, yeah, he's not going to like me very much. Yeah, because that's a thing I do, right? And a thing right. that means a lot to me.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, so I am of the of the, you know, the idea. Like I would rather share more because I don't want to be liked for who someone thinks I am. I want to be liked for who I actually am. And mm-hmm. how can they like me for who I actually am if I don't tell them who I actually right. am?
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of kids, mm-hmm. we got a lot of questions asking about, you know, that dynamic. Do you have any tips for bringing a new partner around mm. kids?
2: Yeah, well, <laughs> background checks. <laughs>
1: truly, I'm not kidding. No,
2: that's a great idea. (laughs) No, truly. Yeah. And I think you just want to decide, you know, what do you want your philosophy to be? Do you want to meet, do you want them to meet someone that, you know, you're just potentially kind of getting to know because you want your kid's opinion or do you want to wait a little while and see if it's serious and then introduce them? You know, there's no right or wrong. I don't think, I just think you want to understand what do you want your philosophy to be? Right. And then like your reasons for it, because right. I don't think you can do it wrong. I, I had, I think, I don't know, three or four dates in probably is when my daughter met my boyfriend and, you know, she, she did the handshake check. <laughs> like She wanted to shake his hand and see if he had a firm handshake firm and, handshake, and, you yeah. know, did he give good eye contact and, um, you know, but at that point I felt good enough about him. You know, I wasn't uh-huh. saying, hey, this is a person I've decided to be with. You know, I was honest and said, this is a person I'm interested in and I would like for you to meet him. And so she did. And, you know, not that big of a deal, but that's not the case for everyone. Some kids are really going to be upset by it. And, you know, you may want to wait a little bit longer if you think they're going to be super upset until you really are sure that it's somebody that you want them to meet.
1: Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I think it's it's one of those things where, like you said earlier, if there was a rule, I would give it to you.
2: Yeah, I would have already written the book and printed it and, you know, just given every new widow a copy, but it's just right. not that simple. And then
1: just been yeah. like sleeping on your millions of dollars because you made right. the rule and that's all you got to do. Follow it.
2: Yeah. And, you know, my kids were not at all troubled by my dating. They really weren't. I think they were a little worried about not getting time with me and maybe it cutting into time, but they didn't actively protest at all. And I never really sensed any um, upset in them. And that's not the case for a lot of widows. There are a lot of kids out there who are really very upset about it. And, yeah. you know, it's okay. It's, you know, to me, we'd, it's again, feelings aren't problems to be fixed. It's not. It's not something that you have created in them, right? If if it was you, then every child would respond the same way. And you might have multiple children, and they all respond different ways. So you know, can we just let them feel how they feel and not make it our problem to solve, but also not insist that they feel good about a decision that we're making?
1: And speaking of that time, how how do you balance that when, especially, you know, it's been now several years, let's say. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, your kids are used to a certain amount of your time mm-hmm. and, you know, now you have this other endeavor that you're going to be devoting time to. What does that yeah. look like? How do you figure that out?
2: For me, that's, you know, the kids come first and if they, you know, I try to make sure that they get enough of me, right? So like, you know, last night my daughter wanted to watch TV, so I I made her a priority and we watched Lock and Key <laughs> together. Um but but really time, you know, is just a matter of prioritizing. Yeah. Right. So what do you want your priorities to be? And then spend your time according to your priorities. So just because my priority is is my children, that's not to say I'm right or wrong there. Somebody else's priority might be dating. That's it's not my decision to make for them.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that's true about, you know, anything that you're gonna decide to do with your time. You know, when people yeah. talk about, oh, I don't have time for dating right now. Like you you do. Mm-hmm. You're just choosing to spend your time doing other things, which is totally right. fine. That's your prerogative. Right. But let's but not pretend honest. that we don't have the time. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I get a lot of, you know, when I do dating coaching, a lot of women will also tell themselves that they don't know how, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 some of them have been in situations like your mom where they met their person at a very young age and they literally haven't dated as adults. Right. But I don't know how is never really true. I just think it's the fear brain right? Trying to keep us safe and in the cave and not taking action. But we know how to date, right? You tell someone you're interested and you want to go out on a date. It's not hard, right? It's scary. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And maybe it's not, I don't know how, but I don't want to learn how.
2: Yeah, totally. Because I don't want to feel the feelings that come with the learning. Yeah. I'm not willing to be uncomfortable. And so I'll just usually then Conveniently, my brain will convince me that it has something to do with time. Right. But it doesn't.
1: Yeah. I have a program that I do through my coaching called Restart mm-hmm. that's for mm. people who haven't dated in a long time, maybe never did online dating. And mm. there is some I don't know how aspect to online dating because it's like, this is an app that I've never seen before. And sure. I, yeah. I don't know how to do this. But the, but right. Tech issues. But yeah. like these people then said, okay, I, don't know how to do this. So I'm going to find someone who does and right learn.
2: Yeah. It's all about, like, I like to think, you know, if someone you care deeply about was, was, you know, really sick and you had to figure out how to get them to the hospital and you didn't have a car or, you know, you would figure it out. Right. Right. So, so you might initially not know how, but you wouldn't stop there. You would get your brain into problem solving mode and you would figure out how to make it happen, even if you didn't know and you had to, you know make some errors and do some research. And so I think dating is the same way. That yes, maybe there are some parts about it that you have never done before, but when your commitment level is high and it's a it's a priority for you, then you're absolutely willing to to take some action and figure it out as you go. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense.
1: Have you encountered either yourself or with clients people who've struggled to Explain grief to their new partner? Maybe it's somebody who hasn't really experienced significant grief before?
2: I don't know that I would say they struggle to explain grief as much as maybe kind of what we were talking about earlier, which is they may have trouble helping the other person understand the role of their late person in their lives currently, and that that isn't about um, not loving the person that they're currently dating. Or it isn't about not moving forward or being stuck. It's really um, just grief, right? And so I think that can be an issue. I think sometimes grief grenades can maybe catch people off of guard. Um, so I, that's a term that I use. Maybe not everybody uses that term, but just you know, sometimes when like my boyfriend and I went to Las Vegas last year, and my car that I drove was a Toyota Camry and Hugo had a Durango and th- and that's the car he was in the trunk trying to get in the trunk to get access to my tire you know when the accident uh-huh. happened so the my last vision of a Camry is not a vision anyone would ever want to have of, no. right so of course what is the car what is the uber that picks us up at the airport
1: Right? They're all Toyota cameras. Camry. Every single one. I know.
2: And one. it's a silver one, exactly oh. like mine with a fin, like totally my car. And so, you know, we're getting out the luggage. We pop open the trunk, we're getting out the luggage. And I am just like total grief grenade, right? Mm-hmm. Which, so for me, is like, you know, getting teary and my heart's pounding. And I just, my brain has gone back to a place that is not at LAX, right? Right. Or whatever. That's not whatever the airport is. Anyway. Anyway, McCarran. So, so that's not an experience that he can really relate to or understand, right, as a trigger like that. And Mm -hmm. so sometimes I have to explain those kinds of things, right? Like, this is what just happened for me, or I just, you know, one time we were watching TV and I saw a CPR scene. Well, I watched them do CPR for like an hour in the hospital, you know, so it's it's less triggering to me now, but it, when I saw that, it was really triggering to me. And so, helping him explain, "Hey, it's not you haven't done anything wrong. I'm not crying about something that happened with you. My brain just went back to a really traumatic memory for me, and that's what happened. And if if you've never been there, then you know you wouldn't really know. So sometimes I find we have to explain that.
1: Yeah, I find myself explaining grief cycles a lot, mm. where most of the time I feel fine.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and But sometimes grief grenades, I love that phrase, by the way. I'm going to start using it. Grief grenades aside, because that does happen where something specific mm-hmm. will trigger me. There are other times though where there are just certain days that I wake up and I'm just like, eh.
2: Yeah. Do you find that great. they're particular days or
1: – No. No. Just They're random. Days. Yeah. I actually find that they don't happen on the days that you would think mm, they would. Interesting. So, like his death anniversary, I felt yep. this year, I felt totally fine. Mm-hmm. Like holidays, I actually felt pretty okay. Mm-hmm. It'll just be like, I don't know, maybe I had a dream about him and I don't remember yep. that dream or something, but there are just certain days where I wake up and I'm like, you know what? I'm pretty sad about my dad today.
2: Yeah. And it doesn't seem like there's rhyme or reason. So, how would they understand? Yeah. Right. And yeah, so, because we barely understand.
1: I have no idea. Zero clue. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. like explaining that, you know, when, well, I thought you were over it. No one's ever said those words to me just to mm-hmm. be clear. But like – Good. I, me me too. Like I <laughs> – you know, and like yeah. generally I am. But, you know, over it is never a phrase I use. I Like you said, it's something that yeah. I now am able to live with comfortably
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, for the most job.
1: part. Um, yeah, you adapt, but I think that that cycle where it's not it's not linear totally. and I think that people who haven't experienced significant loss don't understand the nonlinear way that it works,
2: right, yeah, and I think I don't know about you, but all I knew about was the five stages of grief. Yeah. That was I that was the only grief theory I'd ever heard. And I definitely didn't understand, you know, that, that was originally about hospice patients. I <laughs> you know, it's not it so, so oftentimes, you know, I will draw it for people, which I, I've seen it a few times. So it's not not just me that came up with this, but you know, we want it to be this nice, like you said, linear progression when really, you know, maybe we move from point A to, to some other point, but it's really just like this big squiggly line of mess. And and that's actually normal. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. That's just the experience of grief that it is a bit unpredictable and sometimes very roller coaster ish And that's just it, right? That's just the way of it. But again, if all we ever talk about is the five stages of grief, then of course people are like, well, I don't know. Are you angry enough? Did you get angry? Are you sure? Maybe you should be angry. Or I think this is just the part of your grief where you get angry and it's not at oh, all. I,
1: no. No, no. Yeah. And then yeah. once – It's not like once acceptance starts that that's the only thing that happens from here on out.
2: Right. Then we're good.
1: Right. We've accepted it, so we're good. To your point, I I didn't know this either until I lost my dad and started researching grief and whatnot. Mm -hmm. I didn't know either that it was originally applied to hospice patients. And then it makes sense that nothing happens after acceptance because then they die. you die. Right. Yeah. So you accept it and then nothing. And then the end. Right, but yeah. it wasn't meant it wasn't meant for living with grief. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally.
2: But you know, again, it just kind of speaks to if we could talk more about grief as a culture, if we also didn't sell happiness as the perpetual goal of life, which I yeah. I just don't believe that it is, you know, and we we talked more about living a rich, you know, varied life with the full range of human emotions and that that's what it's supposed to be, then, you know, when other people are sad, maybe they're grieving a loss and maybe they're not, but we wouldn't be so worried about it, right? We wouldn't be trying to fix it because we wouldn't see it as a problem. We would just see it as part of being human.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I like that, that feelings aren't problems we need to fix.
2: Yeah. That that right there changed my whole damn life.
1: Yeah. That's great. So On the other side of this, you know, we've talked about if your partner isn't somebody who's been through grief and, you know, let's say that you're that person. We actually got a lot of questions from that Mm. person's perspective, which…
2: You're dating someone. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It warms my heart, by the way, to see all those questions, to just know that there are all these people out there who Mm -hmm. are so wanting to be supportive of a grieving partner that they're asking these questions. So shout out to you people. Um, but so Starting at the very beginning stages, you know, as you mentioned, like, when you're grieving, you don't want to be out there dating if what you're just trying to do is fill a void.
0: Mm-hmm. Is
1: there, do you have any tips for discerning if that's what's happening if you are on the other side of it?
2: So if someone is dating you and you're kind of wondering if they're trying to fill a void with you? Yeah.
1: Like, how do you kind of know if they're ready to date? <clears throat>
2: yeah. I think – well, I mean, you know, you're not psychic, so <laughs> – you're probably sure, not going to yeah. know totally, but and they might not even know themselves. But I think if you're if you're sensing like a needy graspiness about yeah. it, right, where you you kind of notice that they don't believe they can be okay without you, right, or um, you know maybe not. And, and I, I hate to use timelines as a rule, I really do, because I think some people are really ready to date very soon after a loss, but sometimes it, you can spot it that way, right? Where you can see not much time has passed and all of a sudden they're trying to find a parental figure or a partner figure to stick in the holes. Right. Um, sometimes you'll see it show up in parenting problems where you know they aren't confident that they can handle the parenting aspect of things. And if they have children, then you, know, you can kind of tell that they're trying to fit you into that role because they don't believe they can handle it. Um, so that that could be a red flag too.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had a one client tell me that for her, it was kind of trial and error. Mm -hmm. Like she thought she was ready. Yeah. Went on a date and then realized, kind of like you said, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like I, yeah, I don't want to be here right now. And luckily for the person that she was going on a date with, she realized that fairly quickly. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. any sort of long, drawn out thing where the person she was going out with was, you know, really hurt in any way, but it could be.
2: Well, and I don't, you know, I don't think we ought to worry too much about that. I think if you want to try it, try it. And then you'll know, right? You'll have more data and then you can make a different decision. If it feels right to you, great. If it doesn't feel right to you, you'll know. You know, it's the same thing with sex. We worry a lot about that too, right? Having sex with someone the first time. Well, okay, you know, you can head down that path and you can always change your mind. And even if you do, and then you later decide you weren't ready for it, you don't have to beat yourself up over it. You can still be kind to yourself. And so- You know, sometimes just more data is what we need to help us decide if we're ready.
1: Yeah, I mean, personally, I think more data is always what we need in any situation. So I love that we learn by doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So more about being that person who Mm. is dating someone who's lost someone. How do you hold space, but and not try to replace that person? Like, where where's that balance?
2: Yeah. Okay. So going back to the feelings aren't problems thing, I think that is key, right? So if you if you can get yourself to the place where you realize that someone can express an emotion in front of you, an, a quote unquote negative one, mm-hmm. and you don't see it as a problem, you will not be so uncomfortable with it and you will not try to fix it. And the last thing someone who has lost someone wants you to do is to try to make them feel better. They mm-hmm. they do not want you to try to fix their feelings. You want someone who is willing to be with you as you have them, right? Who's willing to witness your experience, not try to change your experience. But that only happens when we start realizing, okay, their feelings are their feelings. I didn't cause them. And negative feelings don't mean they're broken or something's wrong. It's all a part of being human. It's definitely a part of grief. And my job isn't to try to take it away, right? Or make it mean anything. My, my goal is just to, to be there with them. As they have that part of their experience. And that's, you know, holding space. At least that's the phrase that I use for that. Right. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, it seems like the elephant in the room, but most people who are supporting someone in grief or dating someone in grief, I think the worry is, well, I don't want to bring it up. Because it'll probably make them sad and I don't want them to be sad, so I just won't bring it up. But I'm guessing you probably have this experience too where it's not something that's not in the forefront of your mind, right? And for sure in your mother's, right? She's thinking about it. And so it's actually – typically a relief to the person who is grieving to have someone else talk to them about their loved one, even if you're dating. It's actually kind of a relief. Like, so when Todd will ask me about Hugo, that's a relief to me. I like it when he asks me because then I don't have to be the one that brings it
1: up, right? Yeah. I know it's hard to do. If No, but- it's that's so relatable to me though because I – I don't, and I we talked, we did a whole episode about dating after loss, and where Mm. I talked a lot about my experience. Mm -hmm. Um, This was a long time ago, then. Now, though, so a lot of our listeners probably haven't heard it. Um, But I, on that episode, talked about how I don't want to be the dead dad girl. Mm. Like I don't want to be, you know, that to feel like that's all I'm talking about, or to burden Mm -hmm. other people and make them feel uncomfortable. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so, yeah, I agree. Having somebody else bring it up, yeah. Is is a relief, and you know they're not bringing it up in a like, oh, is that making you sad?
2: Right. Like, how, how are you really doing? Right.
1: Like, how are you really feeling? Like, you must yeah. be thinking about it right now, right? Like that. It's not like that. Yeah. No. Yeah. But you know, I I like when somebody that I'm dating or anybody asks me questions about my dad or mm-hmm. yeah, it, it keeps yeah. Then then the door you know, the is open.
2: Yeah, the door is open. You can share what you want to share. If you don't want to share anything, you don't have to. But right. you know you. We don't need to worry so much about upsetting a person or reminding them of it because chances are they're already thinking about it and they're just relieved to know that they're not the only ones and that you're actually interested enough to ask. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. And making space for it too, you know. So there's always going to be photos in my house. So are you okay with that? Like, you know. Um, and, and maybe if there are no photos, maybe you want to ask, right, because maybe they think you're not okay with it.
1: Yeah, right? maybe, maybe they're they hid the those.
2: Maybe they hid those photos because you came over right? And so you can always offer, hey, I just want you to know that I'm totally okay with, you know, not no pressure. If you don't want photos out, no pressure. But if you want them out, like I'm not offended at all. I don't see that as threatening. I see that as a part of your past and I love you and I love your whole past, right? I love everything that's happened to you, made you, you, and that's why
1: I love you, right? Mm. So, So that's part of you. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I think I I think about that a lot when I'm in my childhood home because my dad is everywhere, mm. and I've I've thought before, and and he's also like literally in the home still. Mm. Um, okay, yes, got it. <laughs> so I'm with you. yeah, so like that, I, that has occurred to me. Of you know, like mm. somebody is going to have to be okay with yeah. the fact that there are all these photos everywhere, and my brother and I would never want our family photos to be gone, and my mom oh. wouldn't want it either. Just to be clear, but
2: yeah. No, not at all. And like, if, in, you know, if you decide to get married, right, you, you're probably going to want him to have some, something to do with that occasion, right? So the big mm-hmm. things that come in your life, like that's always going to be a part of your life. And so for, you know, if, if you're, somebody's wanting to date your mother, it's it's going to be an easier experience because she's going to want to support you. And of course, then, you know, them supporting her means
1: them supporting him. Yeah now yeah. I'm going to cry. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> yeah, my, just... um, thinking about my wedding is a – I'm going to use the word trigger, but not in a bad way. Yeah. It's, it's like a very emotional – My dad had a whole um, – In a very uh, – We are in the 21st century move. My dad wrote each of us Google Docs throughout – He was sick for a long time. Oh, okay, um, okay. And so for like six years. And he okay. wrote – me, my brother, my mom, and his sister Google Docs throughout his illness. where he like journal entry? We mm-hmm. didn't know. Maybe my mom did. But I didn't know that they existed oh, until wow. he gave them to us um, like shortly before he died. And part of my Google Doc and evidently part of both my mom's and my brother's, though I have not seen them, are extremely explicit instructions about my wedding day.
2: Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I and about that. how
1: you know, who he wants my brother to walk me down the aisle, and you know, he wants about my first dance, and they're they're very specific.
2: I love your dad, yeah, me too. <laughs> um, you know, I know your dad and I love your dad, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, but like that matters to you. It matters yeah. to your family, right? And so if you you if you want to be with someone, then what they care about you care about.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: right? Yeah, and it's not a threat, no that your dad is going to be part of your wedding in his own yeah. way.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, whew, didn't think I was going to cry. I <laughs> Sorry, really I know. This, this, is, this is – this is that's why
2: – when you said people were excited that I was coming on the podcast, like, do they know what we're going to talk
1: about? We're talking about <laughs> grief, people. Excited maybe is the wrong word, but like – I actually don't think it's the wrong word. I do yeah. think people were legitimately excited because I think yeah. – I think you're right. I think we don't talk about grief enough as a society. Don't. People yeah. don't see it normalized. They don't see it talked about like, you know, like you said, you're not broken. You can right. be a whole person and be grieving. Yeah. And I think I think people were excited about that that like Good. that You know, Let's normalize it. Yeah, we're normalizing it. Yeah, let's
2: normalize it. it. Let's normalize it. Because it doesn't have to be – we don't have to be so awkward around each other. And dating doesn't have to be so awkward if, you know, your person has lost a person. Right. But only after we have these valuable conversations. Yeah, and normalize it all.
1: And so one more question that our listeners had about dating somebody who has been through loss in that way. How do you balance support for them with your own needs?
2: Hmm. Um, do you have an example? Was there, was there anything specific?
1: So like I can I can think of on, you know, let's say that – this is just an example from my own life. Let's say that your partner is having a, you know, a grief grenade or mm-hmm. a, you know, some – or they're, you know, having a, a shitty day relative to, the, to their grief. Mm-hmm. And you are also in significant need in some
0: mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. How
1: do you kind of – balance that and not make it feel like for you, it has to be a trump card.
2: Mm, Yeah. I think that's a lot about, it's about communication, right? Like transparency of, Hey, here's Mm. what's going on for me. And, you know, it's not that I don't want to be fully present and supportive to you, but like, you know, here's, here's where I am. I'm really struggling to support myself today and, and just kind of letting that be clear and, and open and honest. Um, and then also it's about, you know, being emotionally mature enough to understand that whatever's going on with you emotionally, and I don't say this to be mean, but is yours to fix, mm-hmm. is is yours to attend to, really not to fix, you're not broken, but it's yours to attend to. And so um, your your partner can witness that for you. Your partner can be, can be there for you and be with you, but we can't dump it on each other, right? right. Because your partner didn't cause it and they can't change it. They can be with you as you do your own work, but we both have to kind of stay in our own swim lane in terms of accepting responsibility for what's going on with ourselves and not looking to the other to fix something that would is an unfair ask.
1: Yeah. I think that's really great advice because I think I think a lot of people could I could see people thinking that well I can't have any needs because this person mm. needs so much. Yeah. And yeah, then that, you end up, you know, losing yourself.
2: Right. Totally. Yeah. So, so being honest, but then also accepting responsibility for what is your work versus, you know, we, we just can't expect other people to do our own inner
1: work. It, it isn't fair. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think that just kind of circles back to, what we were saying about not dating to fill a void because if you haven't done the inner work on yourself to understand how you can attend to your own needs and you're just looking for somebody else to fulfill yeah. all of them, totally, it's not going to work out.
2: It's not going to work at all. And it's not going to be any fun. No. No, that sounds yeah.
1: terrible actually.
2: And a lot of times that people come to me, they've learned that the hard way. They've gone through and sometimes they've even mm-hmm. gotten remarried and divorced, you know, and they realize, oh, wait, there's actually some stuff I didn't deal with. And it, I had to go and have this other experience to see that it was work that was still left for me to do. And now I see it. Now I see that the only way around that is is through it and I'm ready to do it. And maybe I just weren't ready before or didn't have the awareness before. That's okay too. Yeah. That's yeah. absolutely – It'll, it'll I mean, wait. Whatever is there for us to work through, it's going to keep showing itself, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like we said about the trial and error thing, you know? Like if you tried it and it didn't work out, then – precisely try something different yeah precisely yeah so speaking of that krista let us know let our listeners know how they can find you if they've come to this realization
2: yeah so the widowed mom podcast is my podcast so anybody who's interested in grief even if you're not a widowed mom like if you're interested in grief or post-traumatic growth or any of the feeling stuff that i talk about absolutely love to have them uh, listen to the podcast and then website is coaching with krista super simple because nobody can spell St. Germain, which is my last <laughs> name. So we just coaching with Krista and then all of my social
1: links and everything are there. So yeah. Amazing. And of course, we'll tag you in the show notes and in all of our posts. And so we'll make it super easy.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me on. And thank you so much for being so honest about your own, you know,
1: grief experience. No, this was incredible. And not not, not really just for me, it.
2: but it's, it, it's really a service to your listeners,
1: right? All right. Oh, well. Thank you yeah. I for just crying on air
2: <laughs> <laughs> and I'll never be on the on the podcast again no, right? well, I'm never can, inviting her back she makes her me back. cry
1: <laughs> this lady made me cry oh. uh, no but I really appreciate you Krista and thank uh, you so totally. much Totally my pleasure thanks for having me.